Thanks for being here this morning. What a, what a thrill it is to be able to come together and to worship on Christmas Day. You know, it's such a blessing. We only get to do that every seven years, and so it's such a privilege, and I'm so glad you're here. You know, I've shared before that people ask me, you know, are you going to have church on Christmas? <laughs> it's not even a question. I mean, we wouldn't have Christmas if it wasn't for Christ, right? So we're going to worship him today. So let's pray and let's, let's worship. Lord Jesus, we love you. It is so good to be here. Thankful for each and every man and woman and boy and girl that's able to join us this morning. And Lord, we do want to worship you. You're the reason, Lord God, we have joy today. You're the reason we have hope today. You're the reason our sins are forgiven today. You're the reason we have security in life and security in death. You're the reason, Lord, and we love you. Lord, would you just open our hearts today to the Holy Spirit? Would you just fill us with thanksgiving and let us just overflow in praise as we sing, as we pray, as we look into your word? Would you be gracious to speak to us today, Lord God? to encourage us, to challenge us, to convict us, to heal us, to bring glory to your name. Would you just do a powerful work among us? And we're going to give you the praise for all of it, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for our praise team, for those working in our sound booth, for those in our nursery, for those that have given in so many other ways. Uh, We just give you thanks. May you bless each one of them, Lord. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up and sing together this morning.
Christmas this morning.
be seated. Good morning. That was a beautiful worship song. Isn't God good? It's good to be worshiping on Christmas. Hope you were able to come last night. We uh, heard from God's word. Uh, One thing that really uh, spoke to me, you know, as I shared with the children, the shepherds, when uh, the angels were sent, then they went up and, and found Jesus and Mary. The very next thing in the word of God says, they went out and shared with everybody they could find what they had seen. It shared with them. And that's what God wants us to do. Let's pray for our nation today, that we would be a people of the book, that we would follow Jesus Christ and uh, through his word, be faithful to his word, and that we would be a light in the darkness. God wants us to shine for him right here in America and around the world. So let's pray for that. Father, thank you that we can come together and worship you today on Christmas Day. What a blessing it is to be together again. Father, I just pray that we would be a light right here in Casper, that we would share with people the good news of the the gospel. People are lost and without hope, Lord. But we have this eternal hope in Christ. Father, help us to be excited about that. And may we just shine with your love and grace to to our nation. Raise up a church that is uh, uh, just exactly what you want to be, Lord. Father, as we give this morning, may the offerings be for you. And be with Pastor Mike. Bless him and may the Holy Spirit be used today in a powerful way as the word is shared. God, you're so good to us. Thank you for Christmas Day. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take the offering, men, if you can come forward. Yeah. 
was really blessed by what Rick said just now about uh, going and telling it as shepherds. The shepherds heard the good news and went out and told it. And this chorus of this next song, Oh, Tidings of Comfort and Joy. What else can you talk about that's going to truly bring comfort and joy to this lost and dying world? Are you going to tell them about some new gingerbread cookie recipe or something? <laughs> or some new toy that you got? Or uh, a diesel truck that won't gel up in the cold winter that we just had? Or something silly like that? I mean, come on. What, do we, what else can we, do we have to offer this lost and dying world? So as we sing this last song, let's think about that.
Well, no super church this morning. The kids are excited about that. Get to stay in here, Pastor Mike. I didn't hear any whoops or anything. <clears throat> yeah, there you go. Man, uh, it's so good to be here this morning. You know, I, I, was, I just kind of enjoy sometimes talking to people and, and hearing people. I mean, I've had people tell me over the years, you know, don't have church on Christmas Day because it's family time, you know, and you don't want to take away from your family time. And, you know, I can't think of anything better to do on Christmas Day than to bring your family to church. I mean, how much better for them than anything else you could do for them? It's a silly thing to think that we're going to take away from family by having the time to worship Jesus Christ. And so I'm glad the families are here, glad the kids are here, glad you're here. Uh, take your Bibles and turn over to Luke chapter 2 with me this morning. Uh, if you've been around College Heights for very long, man, you know I speak on this passage pretty much every year. Probably will till I die. Because it is the passage that talks about Christ coming, his birth, and the, the events and the joy around that birth. And why would we ever stop talking about such a glorious thing? So we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was one of the house and a family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and who was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people." For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about the child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's humbling, Lord, to know the depth of your love. Nothing compares. To know the purity, Lord God, of your desire for us. It's so, it's so, it's so holy 
what you want for us, Lord God, is a relationship with us. And you gave your son to wash us clean, to make us whiter than snow, that we can stand in your presence and have a relationship with you without fear, without guilt. It's so indescribable to think that on this day, over 2,000 years ago, God became man and lived among us and showed us who you are, your very nature, your very goodness, the depth of your love. It's amazing to me. We haven't just carved out a few minutes today to do the right thing, to come to church. It's not why we're here. We're here to worship you, Lord. We're here to bow down before you and to tell you thank you, to tell you that we love you, to tell you, Lord God, that you're glorious and good and faithful and true and you alone are God. Lord, as we look into your word this morning, would you reveal yourself to us May we marvel at your greatness, and may you be exalted. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, I, <laughs> I really do get excited every time I get the chance to, to even look at this passage and speak about this passage. It's, it's amazing to me because we, we start with this kind of simple thing of this census and being registered and people moving, and, you know, it, it just seems like it's kind of maybe different to us because we read it in the Bible and we don't put it in, a, in an everyday context sometimes, you know, but, but I love the fact that this is an everyday thing, right? It talks about Caesar Augustus. Uh, Caesar Augustus was the most powerful man on earth, not even close, right? He was the ruler of the great Roman empire. Rome was at peace at this point, point in time because they had subdued everybody else, right? I mean, it was by their military might that they had conquered the world and there was you know, Pax Romanus, there was peace on this earth, if you will, among men because they had squashed everybody else, if you will. And Caesar was this, was this powerful, you know, impressive guy, if you will. Matter of fact, if you, if you think about the fact that there was a time when one man could make a decree that everyone would be registered for a census and all over the, the modern world people jumped at his decree, that's pretty fantastic, Try that today, right? That's, that's not going to happen. It was a pretty incredible time, but, but what was so incredible about it was the normality of it, right? Caesar was the ruler. He was, if you will, the one that people even actually worshipped. They actually called him son of God. They actually put, you know, him as a place of worship um, they even called him Savior. They even changed the Roman calendar to begin with his birthday. That's how important Caesar Augustus was to the Roman Empire. But he was just a pawn. He was just a pawn. I mean, I, I don't want us to miss that, right? I don't want us to miss the fact that, that while Caesar had made this decree, I'm sure he had several 
probably reasons why he wanted to, you know, know how many people he ruled over. He wanted to register some people for military service. There was some other reasons probably. They're not quite sure exactly why he did all this. Who knows why egotistical, worldly, selfish men do what they do. I mean, we don't always know, right? But he could do it, and he was probably satisfied with this great power that he thought he had. And yet, (laughs) it's so awesome to me that with as much power and influence as he wielded, he certainly was no son of God. He certainly was no savior. I mean, at best, he's known for being the pawn that God used to carry out his will to save this world. I don't want us to forget that. I don't ever want us to forget that. I mean, we, we kind of run around sometimes like you know, chicken little, like the world is going to fall, the sky is going to fall because of whatever politics are going on in our day. And I know since I'm at College Heights and none of you do that, right? None of you freak out because we get a different president or because we get a different governor or because they're doing this or they're doing, none of you freak out, right? No, I know better actually. Man, realize that Christmas is this glorious time so that we can see God's power in moving to bring his will upon this earth for our good, for our salvation. Don't miss that there's a God that moves above and beyond politics and rulers and all the instruments of this world. He's outside of this world. He's not afraid of this world. He's not intimidated by this world. He's moving in this world and reigning over this world. And he was working even in that day. And I I love, it says, you know, this was the first census taken by Quirinius, the governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. And so it was just a, a mass migration, right? They were to go to where they were born and register where they were born for whatever reason. We don't really know. But there was this mass migration. Everybody was doing it because it was what they were commanded to do. But God was in it. Because it says Joseph went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. Now that doesn't seem like a, a very big deal, but it was incredibly big. I mean, if you really wanted to translate this into maybe my vernacular, you could say that Joseph and Mary left an insignificant village in Galilee to go to an insignificant village in called Bethlehem near Jerusalem. I mean, it wasn't that Bethlehem was insignificant, but it wasn't big. It wasn't powerful. But the significance of Joseph taking Mary to Bethlehem was indeed incredible because it had to happen. Because God declared that it had to happen. I mean, it's so amazing to me that that God was working in this because, you know, everybody knew in Jerusalem that the Messiah had to come from Bethlehem. They may not have understood it all, but they knew. I mean, John chapter 7, verses 40 through 42 says, Some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying of Jesus, This certainly is the prophet. Others were saying, this is the Christ. Still others were saying, saying, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? 
Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the descendants of David and from Bethlehem, the village where David was? I mean, the people knew that the Messiah had to come from Bethlehem. What they didn't know after Jesus was born was that he was actually born in Bethlehem. The modern people didn't know that as Jesus walked this earth, but God did. And the reason that he had to be born in Bethlehem was because of God had spoken through the prophet Micah in chapter 5, verses 2 through 4, where it says, But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has born a child. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel, and he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will remain because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. I mean, in other words, God had declared that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. But now think about it. I mean, Caesar didn't know that. Quirinius didn't know that. I mean, the people in Nazareth, they didn't know that Mary was carrying the Christ child. They didn't think about David taking this new wife down to Bethlehem. The people of Bethlehem didn't know that Mary was carrying the Christ child because there was no room for them at the inn. Right? There was no room for them. They actually went out and probably had the baby in a cave. Really not much doubt about it. I mean, nobody knew. But God, yes, Joseph and Mary knew. But they were just kind of following along. I mean, if you think we're not sheep, guys, <laughs> you should bah every now and then. Bah. Just every now and then as you're herded along by the hand of God. And I, I am so humbled sometimes by the thought of the goodness of our God. Not just by his manipulation, but by the goodness of our God in what he does to bring about life and salvation to the world. He's still doing it. He's still sovereign. He still moves in our lives. I mean, we were so blessed last night, our youngest daughter, she, uh, we didn't know if she was coming to church last night, but she says, Dad, we were driving by and, and we were like, why is all those people there at the church? And then she went, oh, must be Christmas Eve service. You'd think preacher's kids would get that a little better. But, you know, they are what they are. But she came in. I told her, I said, honey, that's God. That's just God. Do you not see God in your normal lives? Do you not see God moving in these just simple, powerful, glorious ways? Do you not see opportunities where God moves you to the right place at the right time so you can share and, and speak with people about things that are so powerfully important in their life that if you had not been where you were, they would not have heard what you had to share? Have you not had anybody ever stop and speak to you at times where you were like, 
I so much needed to hear that. Have you not seen God? I mean, man, the birth of our Savior was the sovereign hand of the Lord God Almighty moving in a man who thought of himself perhaps, perhaps I am the Savior. Except now we know that he was just like every other manly ruler overcome by death and a distant memory and thought at best. He was not the Savior. God was moving him to bring the Savior into the world right where God wanted him in Bethlehem. And then it says, and I love this, while they were in, in order to register along with Mary who was engaged to him who was with child, and while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him in claws and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. There he was. Let me think about it. Think about it. There he was. They had been waiting for the Savior for thousands of years. They had been waiting. They'd had the word. They had the scriptures. They knew that a son was to be born, that a child was to be given. They knew, but they didn't know. I mean, but by this time, they really thought the Messiah was going to come and reign on this earth. They really thought that he was going to be some military ruler to throw off the oppression of those that had come over Israel for many, many years. They'd been the stomping mat, if you will, of other nations. They were still under Roman rule. And they thought the glorious Savior was going to appear and he was going to reign and rule and throw off all this wickedness. But there he was, this big. You ever held a baby? I know many of you have. Head in one hand, backside in the other. They're about this big. They're all red and squirmy, sweet and snuggly. There he is, though. Emmanuel, God with us, the promised one. It's such a contrast to me. I mean, here's the great Caesar Augustus, the man that made people tremble, the man who moved the world, in his opinion, had all the might and all the power and all the influence, supposedly, that any man could ever have. And really, his influence on us today is nothing. But this baby... This tiny baby, God in the flesh, had come in this world to save the world. It's so impressive to me. I mean, I think of influence sometimes. I think of how, how do we influence someone? How do we speak in such a way that would influence someone for Christ? How do we somehow have an impact on somebody that's rebellious? You know, I get the chance to talk to rebellious people. 
They just tell me flat out, I don't want to talk about God. I don't believe in God. I don't think about God. I don't think I need God. I got myself. I can take care of myself. And, and quite honestly, I just want to argue. Are any arguers here with me today? I like a good debate. I like a good argument. I want to show sometimes what I know. Do you want to show what you know sometimes? Do you want to somehow have an upper hand? Because us, for us sometimes, we think that influence is the upper hand, isn't it? Influence is the power, right? Influence is strength. Influence is wisdom. Influence is intelligence. Influence is whatever. Don't we? I'm the only one, right? I always forget who I'm talking to. I always forget. We can't miss this. God had all the influence. He wasn't intimidated by anything. Jesus had so much influence, so much power, so much control, that he wasn't afraid to take the form of a man. He wasn't afraid to be humble. He wasn't afraid of what was going to happen to him as a baby because he knew God had said, I have a plan for you. That plan is to save the world. And I want you to see that Christmas is this powerful display of God's glory in so many different ways. So many different ways that he would come and be born as an infant outside of the normal places the normal inns, the normal homes that would take you in and put you up. I mean, probably in the inner recesses of a cave, people toward the outside, animals toward the inside so they didn't escape, and inside past the animals, a mother giving birth to a baby. There he was in obscurity, the king of kings and the lord of lords, for us. It's incredible to me. Caesar Augustus was nothing, a grain of sand to the glories of the great Savior born in Bethlehem, just like God said he would be. Well, verse 8. It says, in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in their fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And so you go from the one scene. I think the one scene's probably pretty peaceful, although I don't know how peaceful it is when you're on the backside of sheep and goats and donkeys and cattle. Probably was a little bit chaotic and smelly. But you go to the, the hillsides around Bethlehem and you can see them today. They're the same. They're out there. You can see the shepherds out there today. The Bedouins all dressed up in their black robes and leading their sheep. It's not hard to see these things if you're there today. But it's the middle of the night. They're watching over these sheep and they do it every night. This is an unusual, this is a normal night. They go to work like this every day. They're out there. They're doing the same thing. Some of them are probably bored. Some of them are probably trying to stay awake when they, should, when they shouldn't be sleeping. Who knows what they're doing? 
But all of a sudden, you think about it, the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. I, I don't know how to describe the glory of the Lord. I mean, I was default back to Revelation chapter 1 when the Lord Jesus makes himself known to John, the writer of Revelation, and they describes him in such glory that John falls at his feet like a dead man, right? The glory of God is beyond anything that you and I can imagine. It's not just bright, it's power. It's not just power, it's holiness. I mean, it's not just holiness, it is this this presence of of a being that you and I really cannot wrap our mind around. He's God. All these years I've been preaching the gospel, trying to describe God is still more than I can do. I can tell you what the Bible says about him. No beginning, no end. I can tell you about the fact that, you know, there's not a shadow or shade in him. I can tell you about the fact that he's all-knowing and he's all-powerful, he's all-present, I can tell you that there's nothing that limits him. I can tell you that you can't even describe him. As John writes the book of Revelation, and it says he comes into the presence of God sitting on the throne, and he talks about looking like a jasper stone and looking like having a rainbow, like an emerald around him. And all I can think is that John couldn't describe him. He's too glorious to describe. And all of a sudden, the glory of the Lord, not the glory of an angel. Angels are not glorious. Angels are different created beings than we are, but the glory of the Lord shone around these shepherds and they were terribly frightened. Well, they should have been. They should have been. You and I would have been. We're sinners. I mean, one of these days, maybe we're gonna actually spend time contemplating on what that actually means. Instead of looking at ourselves like we aren't that big a deal and like we aren't that bad of sinners and like we we certainly have the right to stand in God's presence, right? That's what so many people basically tell me today when I talk to them about the Lord. I don't need the Lord. I'm good. I love it when they tell me, me and the big guy are good. Careful. What big guy? There's one God. There is none like him. And the writer of Hebrews tells us it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. There's nothing casual about God. He is unlike anything you and I could even describe, and he is Lord of lords and King of kings. He is the judge, the righteous one. And when his glory shone around them, and if his glory shone around us today, we would all be terrified because how can a sinner Stand in the presence of a living God, the holy God. We cannot, we cannot, we will not stand before him. We will not. The people that say to me, I just hope when I die that my good works outweigh my bad works and God accepts me because I was a little bit better than I was worse. Well, good luck with that. Because we're far worse than we think we are. We're kind of a wretched lot. And I don't really want to beat this horse too far. It's not dead. But we are a wretched lot. We are selfish people. We're an arrogant people. We're foul people. 
The shepherds were terribly frightened, and they should have been. But isn't it incredible what this angel says to them? Do not be afraid. Please hear this today. Do not be afraid for I bring you good news of great joy. For unto us has been born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Do you not hear what he's saying? Oh, the glory of God had shone around them and they had every reason to be afraid. But the angel says, you don't have to be afraid. Do not be afraid. Because there's a Savior that's been born for you who is Christ the Lord. He changes everything in our relationship with God. You know, I know so many people tell me today that, you know, I believe in God, but there's been no change in my life. Well, first of all, That's impossible. If you believe in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, then your life has been radically changed because now you are at peace with God, whereas before you were the enemy of God. Now you know the Holy Spirit who is in you, and he speaks to you and convicts you and strengthens you and blesses you. You are a brand new person. If anybody tells me they believe in God and there's no change in their life, I tell them, sorry, you don't believe in God. And then they get offended. Fair enough. They should be offended because they think they have something that they don't have. The truth of the matter is knowing that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior changes everything. For you and I, when we come to know God through faith in Jesus Christ, there is no fear, only good news of great joy. And whether you're still as poor as you were before, sick as you were before, whether your struggles in your relationships are the same as they were before, everything has changed when you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior because now you have a relationship with God that you did not have before, and that relationship is life. It's life. It's life in the midst of darkness. It's life in the midst of sin. It's life in the midst of need. Jesus Christ is life. This is not life. Nowhere does the Bible say that when we get saved, all of our troubles and trials are going to end. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible, matter of fact, teaches for us to know him that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, what? will be persecuted. How about that for a promise? I mean, you know what we're looking for today, even in the body of Christ today? We're looking for a world where there's no suffering, where there's no trials, where there's no persecution. And we actually say to God, God, you're not fair if we actually have to go through something difficult. That is offensive. That's offensive. We have been given a Savior, the good news of great joy. And the joy is that now, through Christ Jesus, we have God with us. So bring on the trials. He'll be with us. Bring on the sufferings. He'll comfort us. Bring on whatever needs we have. He'll supply. Bring on death. Bring on death. It can't touch us. Amen. Guys, are we not talking about a Savior today? 
what a ridiculous thought we have going on within the body of Christ in so many avenues. If there's anything that would cause us grief or harm or hardship, we just moan and groan and whine as if God has never done anything for us. Are you kidding me? He sent his son. He sent his son. He gave us the one thing that would actually save us forever, and we act as if it's unfair for us to have to serve him. Don't we? Don't make me serve you, Lord. Don't make me love you, Lord. Don't make me follow you, Lord. Don't make me trust you, Lord. It's too hard. No, it's not. Uh Uh-uh. Because no matter what you go through, no matter what you experience with Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he is the good news of great joy if we'll look to him. Do you see the difference? You can walk through the trials without looking to him and those trials will overwhelm you and destroy you and you have every reason every reason to moan and groan or you can look to Christ you can look to the wonder of that child who's God in a baby and you see his power You can see his goodness. You can see he wasn't afraid to be vulnerable because he he had it. He was going to save us. Nothing was going to stop that from happening. And you can realize, Lord, I'm a child. I don't care what your age is. We're children. We have needs. We need a comforter. We need a heavenly father to run to. We need the intimacy of God who loves us. We can see that when we come to him who loved us that deeply, he's not intimidated by our needs. He's not intimidated by our hurts. He's not intimidated by whatever it is that's going on in our life. He has us. He's our savior. And we can trust him to walk us through every single situation. Do you know the good news of great joy? I mean, is your joy today Jesus Christ? Or are you itching to get out of here to go have whatever temporary joy you could conjure up? And I'm not making light of our family time I love my family. I'm blessed to spend time with him, but I'm telling you, if all we had was just family, how insecure would we be? If all we had was the new trinket that maybe we'll unwrap from under the tree today, how truly broken would we be at Christmas I mean the birth 
of the Lord God Almighty, the birth of the one and only Savior, the fulfillment of the promise of the living God to care for sinful men and women and make a way for them to know him. Oh, that's the gift. That's the gift. It's a gift that never stops. When we put our faith in Christ Jesus, it never stops giving. It never stops satisfying. It never stops saving. It's going to prevail in our life. No wonder the glory of the Lord shone around him. The glory of the Lord God had shown up in Christ Jesus. And the good news of great joy had come for all the people. For the Savior had been born, Christ the Lord. And then the angel says, there's going to be a sign for you. You're going to be able to see that. There's a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And then as if one angel wasn't enough. It says that suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying simply, glory to God in the highest. Are you kidding me? Can you imagine these angels? Uh, these angels, they got to see us. We're temporary. They're eternal. I mean, the angels had crazy powers in the scriptures, Right? I mean, they had crazy powers. They could come and go. They could show themselves. They could disappear. They could make people blind. I mean, they could do all kinds of things. These are glorious creatures, sinless creatures, stand in the presence of God creatures. And they, they come down and they see us, temporary, sinful, small-minded, nasty. But they see their Savior, their King. Their king, they've worshiped him. They've stood in the presence of the Lord Jesus. They've bowed before him, sang songs to him. And they see him. He's a, he's a baby. And they know he's come to save these people. And what do they say? Glory to God in the highest. All glory to God. Every ounce of glory to God. Everything you could imagine that would bring glory. Give it to God. He gives so much glory for what he's done to these people. And peace on earth among men with whom that great God is pleased. Is that not incredible to you? Peace on earth. Peace has come in Christ. Oh, there's so much peace in Christ. Where has the peace gone in the church, by the way? Where has the peace gone? When there's no peace in our homes, when there's no peace within our hearts, when there's no peace in the workplace, where has the peace gone? Christ hasn't left. He hasn't changed. He gave his life on the cross. He rose from the dead. He's overcome. All who are in him will be saved. No one will snatch us out of his hand. Where has the peace gone? Oh, maybe we've turned our eyes off him. Maybe we've turned our eyes off him. Maybe instead of trusting Jesus at home, at work, at play, in sickness and in health and poverty and in wealth, maybe we've turned our eyes off him. 
Do we have an answer for the trials and the heartache of this world? Do we? Do you? Do you? Do you have an answer? If you know Christ Jesus, he is peace. And if you don't have it, say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. Let me come into your presence and renew that peace. Peace on earth among men with whom he is well pleased. Do you not know how much he loves us? It's right here. This is his demonstration of love. Christ Jesus, he loves us. And because he loves us, he wants us to be at peace. But there is no peace apart from Christ. Well, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. I love that. I can't imagine another response, actually. But that's the response. We've heard about Jesus. We've heard about God becoming a man. We've heard about the Savior coming today. We've seen the glory of God. Now what should we do? Oh, let's go see him. Amen. Let's go see him. And guess what, guys? We can do that today. No, we can't go to Bethlehem and find the baby Jesus. I've been to Bethlehem a couple times. He's not there. He died and he is risen. Hallelujah. Right? He's not there. But we can find him. We can find Christ right here. We can find Christ right here. We can find Christ as we speak to a brother or sister in Christ and they encourage us. We can find Christ in Bible studies. We can find Christ in prayer. We can find him. Man, the Bible says, I'm trying to think, I think it's Jeremiah. If you seek me with all of your heart, I will let you find me. Isn't that incredible? All we have to do is start looking for him. As soon as we cry out, God, we need you, he's like, yep, I'm right here. God, I want to know you. Yes, I want you to know me. God, I need your guidance. Well, then follow me. All we have to do is seek him. Are we seeking him? Seek him today. Seek him today. Let me challenge you. If you're going to go home and you're going to do things with your family, hallelujah, go do it. But before you do that, take a minute. Read this passage. Read Matthew chapter 1. Read a passage about Jesus. Take a minute and pray. Take a minute and ask your family to tell, tell you what they're thankful for about Christ Jesus. Seek the Lord. I know the kids will be tugging at your pants. When are we going to open presents, Dad? When are we going to open presents? Just a minute. I got something better for you. They won't believe you. They won't believe you. They'll endure it. But seek him. If you don't do anything else, sit down with your family. Take them by the hand and pray for your family to know Christ and to grow in their relationship with him. Seek him. He can be found by us. Seek him. Don't miss him. Why chase after the less when you can have the best? Why? Man, the shepherds, they were like, we're going to go see him. And why wouldn't we go see him? 
He's the king of kings and Lord of lords, and he loves us. And the Bible says, so they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they heard this, or when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Can you imagine? I mean, I don't really know what it all looked like, but, you know, I'm sure they just started asking. Bethlehem was small. There was a lot of people around, but it wasn't that there was tons of babies born that night. Does anybody know of a a woman having a baby tonight? And they all pointed him over to where Mary and Joseph were. And they walked up. I I don't know what kind of emotions they would have had. I'd have been weeping. I, I just can't help myself. I'd have been weeping. I mean, do you kneel? Why wouldn't you? Can you imagine how hard it must have been for them to speak when they saw the glory of God's son laying in that manger? And can you imagine when those that were there taking care of Mary, taking care of the baby, congratulating Joseph, heard the angel say, or heard the shepherd say, we just saw an angel and he told us that the good news of great joy had been born for us. Right here in Bethlehem, the Savior, that baby is the Savior and we've seen God's glory. Can you imagine what everybody must have thought? What kind of goodness and what kind of grace and what kind of love has God displayed toward us? Everybody wanted to hear what they had to say. Everybody. And we, like Rick said, should still be sharing. And I love how it ends But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as they had been told. Mary, this young teenage girl, was just trying to take it in. Just trying to take it in. She'd experienced God overshadowing her She knew the child that she had born was the king of kings and lord of lords. Now she's hearing from the shepherds that they had confirmed it through the angel. And Mary's just trying to figure, how could this glory be in my life? I think that's pretty fair sometimes. I think we ought to treasure up what God has done in our life. I think we ought to contemplate that sometimes and consider what God has done. We need to spend some time thinking of God's glory in our, in our life. And the shepherds, they just couldn't contain it. They went back praising God for all that they had seen and heard, right? They were just praising God. I hope you take some time to truly praise God for Jesus Christ. Not just today, not just at Christmas, every day, praising God. Man, The good news of great joy, it's for all the people. It's for you. If you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's for you. He came for you, lived for you, died for you, rose again for you, that all who would call upon his name would be saved. If you've never trusted him, trust him today.
Say, Lord Jesus, I, I need forgiveness. I need salvation. I need a relationship with you. Save me. And then if you know him, don't, don't take him for granted. Don't take him for granted. Don't be looking for something else to satisfy you. Don't be looking for another source of peace. He's everything you need. Seek him. Praise him. Worship him. Obey him. Trust him. You'll see the glory of God. He'll display himself in your life. He loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for the sweet, sweet privilege of knowing you. Through your son, Jesus, what grace you've shown us, what love you've shown us, what joy wells up in our hearts because of Christ, what hope we've been given, what peace. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Hallelujah. Oh, how I pray for the lost today that they'd be saved. And oh, how I pray for us as followers of Christ that we, Lord Jesus, would live for you unashamedly, thankfully, joyously, knowing that, Lord Jesus, our souls have been saved and we have everything to look forward to, that this world is not our home, but that our home is in your presence, where there is no sickness, where there is no evil, where there is no dying, where there's no darkness. What joy is laid before us in Christ Jesus. May you be worshiped today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand, let's sing, let's rejoice in Christ today.
Lord Jesus, thank you. We do adore thee. You're the great one. You're the good one. You're the righteous one. You're the holy one. You're the loving one. You're the savior of our souls. Lord, would you go with us today? Would you draw us near to you today? Would you give us the grace, Lord, to rejoice in Christ Jesus today? And may you bless our families. And may you minister to the sick. And may you touch the needy and provide for them. And may you encourage the discouraged. And may you strengthen the weak, Lord God. May you draw us near to you. And we'll give you praise. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Merry Christmas.